Welcome to the Grip Strip Podcast, episode 75. Uh, it's a somber start to this Grip Strip Podcast. Uh, I'm Philip Matthew. I'm here with my co-host, Joshua Fine. What's good, man? Yeah, I'm doing great, Phil. You know, of course, a uh, somber start to the, the podcast. You know, a couple of weeks ago, we talked about uh, Bob Jenkins, Jenkins passing away. And in the video tribute from NBC, um, Robin Miller did his uh words for bob jenkins there and then you know uh, this morning we saw the report of uh robin miller now passing away and so you know another important uh journalist in the uh indycar series really probably the biggest advocate for indycar racing um you know until his death uh but robin miller passing away um today at the age of 71 uh such a a important person in the industry like i said and uh, just uh someone who impacted a lot of people and um, I think his writing definitely influenced you. Uh, definitely enjoyed his takes on on IndyCar racing and and uh, you know his no BS attitude about it. So um, just uh, unfortunate again that we have to he- hear this news. But um, he was a good person and glad that uh, you know he's going to be looking down on us being able to talk about racing with all all his heroes from the past. Yeah, it's uh, it's an what. Um... The it's an unbelievable time, you know, the amount of people we were losing, not just because of COVID, but all the other health issues with Robin Miller's cancer, same way as Bob Jenkins, and they were very close. So the fact of the matter is, it's kind of interesting um, the way life works. And, you know, Bobby Unzer, he was close to Bobby Unzer. He passed away a few weeks ago. I mean, five few months ago. I mean, it's unbelievable for me. Robin Miller is one of my um, writing motorsports heroes, period. Not just racing drivers, whatever. He was a hero. He's in the Mount Rushmore of motorsports writers. He's back. He'll get to hang out with Chris Economaki. gets to hang out with Ken Squire. He gets to hang out with, like, there's a bunch of people up there now. It's, it's crazy. Um, but as Josh said, uh, we lost basically the biggest advocate from IndyCar racing there is, open wheel racing there is. And I think he put out the feeler and he put the seed in there to where um, Larson's probably going to run the Indy 500 next year, Um, which at the end of the day where the way everyone's going and anointing him the greatest driver there's ever been, um, well, let's see. Let's see if he can go and do the double and actually really compete. Um, we'll see who he gets to drive for. But Kyle, I mean, Robin Miller was a hero to me. I got to share a couple, two, three times. I got to share a press room or be in a press room with him, be in his presence. He, you know, he, you know, he doesn't look like some big time guy. He never carried himself some big time guy. He looked like the way he carried himself kind of was that's what it was you it was no frills no bs take it or leave it and i made a post about how i made him laugh walking when i was walking out of the the pocono raceway press room while he was walking in and it's funny how i mentioned that a few weeks ago when we were talking about it at the indy grand prix when he basically got to have i think that was the last time he's like i knew this is going to be the last moment he got to be around a lot of his friends a lot of great people 
and he was like, I'm okay now. He knew that I can go away. I can, I'm, I'm fine. I, I got to meet a lot of, see a lot of my friends the same way as Bob Jenkins got to be around a lot of his friends and people that supported him and loved him uh, at the Speedway. His writing, his takes, I was sitting, he was trending. He was trending on Twitter. He was in the top five trending on Twitter. He was trending, trending on Yahoo. Uh, that's, I mean, period. Like the guy's a freaking, he's like, I'm a flunky from Ball State who ended up being a, a, a stooge for Jim Herdebees and drove USAC midgets and didn't kill himself somehow. Uh, got his ass kicked by, got punched by AJ Foyt, probably got bitch slapped by Tony Stewart, all these people that probably abused him and assaulted him, but he was one of the greatest riders of all time. And he was one of the greatest people that's ever been a part of motorsport, whatever, good, bad, indifferent, whether you agreed with him all the time or not, his loss is profound. You saw like virtually every IndyCar driver past or present went and posted about Robin Miller, AJ Foyt, Twitter, whatever AJ Foyt. They had three slides, like three tweets. Mario Andretti had multiple tweets and they're the two greatest, two of the greatest drivers that's ever lived. You had smoke post. You had Roger Penske at IMS. You've had Chip Ganassi, Scott Dixon, um, Jimmy Johnson, Jimmy Johnson, Dario Franchitti. I mean, we were talking about how a couple, I think it was the anniversary of um, Justin Wilson it was only a couple days ago of his passing. And he did the, he did the thing for NBCSN. And now he's there with badass. Um, it's unbelievable. It's crazy how life is. It, it makes you, wonder and think about life and think about your like going and really valuing what you have um he lived his life and he lived it to the fullest he he was full throttle the whole way no fucks to give and he was a he's a hero of mine he'll always be a hero of mine because he's a bad mfer and he could write his way out of a paper bag no problem um Marshall Pruitt kind of had to be a part of bringing, keeping him going. And um, there were things that were a little bit off, but the mailbag, I'd read the mailbag. Anybody who was an IndyCar fan, American open wheel racing fan had to read the mailbag because even if the people who were sending the shit and they post wasn't great, I'd just read his responses. That's all I did. That's all I cared about. Anything that said Robin Miller wrote it, I wanted to read it. That's what it is. Um, uh, Paul Fanner at Racer Magazine, who's who was the guy who created Racer Magazine with um, Jeff Swart and a couple other guys, originally had to sell it, brought it, bought it back, and he gave Robin a lifeline after Wind Tunnel went away and ESPN got rid of Robin to go and write and um, thankfully between that and NBC giving him a, a forum that we were able to keep going and have him there and uh, you know a bunch of other things of course have gone on over the 
past basically decade um, to where now Roger Penske runs IndyCar racing and the Indianapolis Motor Speedway. And if it weren't for people like Rob Miller, it might not have happened. We might not have IndyCar racing anymore um, as we know it today. And we have a great uh, points battle and a great uh, uh, thing to talk about for three races to go after what happened at Gateway. We're going to talk about, uh, you know, Joseph Newgarden, who's a short oval specialist, getting another win at Gateway, pissing off Simon Pagino in the process. Lots of RG bargy went on. The Ganassi duo getting wrecked by v- Rena's VK, other stuff. We're going to talk about the Gateway race uh, and all the things that came up with that and what it means with three races to go when they go to the West coast swing here in a few weeks time, we're going to talk about Ryan Blaney, um, backdooring a win at Michigan, uh, after a Hendrick benefit. I mean, I, I was getting, I had to get loaded. It was such a bad race. I had to get loaded. Um, I knew I was going to go and do the draft, which we're going to talk about as well, but Michigan 550 rules package, fucking awful. At least YRB one, whatever, it's fine. I'll take it. But even he said it in his post-race, whatever, on the front stretch, that it's not even good racing. And speaking of that, that's what they're going to do this weekend at Daytona when they go and wreck three quarters of the field. So um, we'll get into Michigan. We'll preview Daytona. We'll talk about 24 Hours of Le Mans. The Toyotas had issues, but somehow or another made it through. The other teams in the hypercar category really couldn't do nothing. Ferrari won both GT classes. The LMP2 race was decided on the start-finish line right at the end, almost mowed down the guy who was the flag man. Uh, We'll talk about that. We'll talk about all the other racing series that went on there uh, this past weekend. We'll get into the fall brawl draft. Uh, Josh, the the runner-up last year, and myself, who was drafting much higher, Um, We'll talk about that. We'll talk about Jacksonville, San Francisco, as we're getting closer to the regular season. We're three weeks away uh, from the season openers for each of our teams and fantasy football, all that. We'll talk about all that. Josh is sim racing, of course, and we'll close it out. So I'm just going to go and open the forum to you, Josh. Uh, Joseph Newgarden. Goes and gets yet another win, a crucial win in his chase to become a three-time IndyCar Series champion, uh, winning at Gateway, last oval of the year. Pato Award was behind him. After Alex Pillow and Scott Dixon were taken out in a wreck because of Rena's VK, opened the door. Pato Award now is the points leader going into the West Coast Swing. Three races to go. Um, Colton Herta had a car to win, busts the drive shaft, um, and goes out. Alexander Rossi had a car to win, crashes. It's the same way as St. Pete last uh, October. So, two Andretti Autosport cars, best two Andretti Autosport cars, fucked up, and it kind of opened the door. Um, New Garden was up there anyway, but it opened the door for New Garden, which is why he is one of the best there is. And Pato Award um, had to get kind of brought down by Taylor Kyle um, 
and they were debating how he was driving, but it was a Chevy benefit at the end of the day. And we will talk about another Chevy benefit that was going on in Michigan, but um, Joseph Newgarden put himself right back into this points championship and Joe and paddle award put himself one step closer to possibly getting that IndyCar series title for um, McLaren SP. Yeah, it was a pretty wild race there. I mean, we we talked about it previewing the show. Um, you know, I said Pato Award uh, would be a good chance to win, which ultimately he didn't, but uh, he finished another second-place finish at Gateway, uh, continuing his uh, streak of uh, podium finishes at the track, counting last year's two races. But um, I think for, for this race, it was um, uh, really important for him as soon as um, – Rena's VK, Alex Blow, and Scott Dixon all crashed. It's really important for him to survive the rest of the race and inherit the points lead. And he did exactly what he needed to do. Um, I mean, he could have had a chance to get up to Joseph Newgarden at the end, and he was within a half a second on the last lap there, but just uh, wasn't able to get quite close enough to really uh, do anything with uh, Newgarden there. And then, of course, Newgarden uh, winning the race. I mean, it was a total domination by him. I mean, he should have probably qualified on first in the pole. But, uh, you know, he started third and he was mad at himself, but then ended up winning the race anyways. Uh, so uh, it tells you how good of a car he really had throughout the night. I mean, it was either going to be him or Colton Herta, of course, Herta out with the driver or the drive shaft there. So wasn't able to contend for the win, but, uh, Newgarden had dominant car, um, for Polo, uh, Renus VK. I mean, I think, uh, that was just a case of uh, over aggressive driving um, by uh, VK got into Polo. And then of course, S- Scott Dixon was an innocent bystander and he was in front of both of those cars and still got crashed uh, just by the nature of how that crash happened. And we talked about it at the, uh, previewing the show. Uh, there could be a big crash that involves the points there or the, one of the contenders. And I thought maybe it would be new garden or um, somebody like, uh, Marcus Erickson that would just eliminate them from the championship, but no, it was the points leader. And now Alex blows, uh, 10 points behind in the championship, uh, to Pato award. And certainly now has a little bit more pressure a lot, or a lot of pressure, I'd say, uh, going into West coast wing for, uh, the final three races of the IndyCar season. So this points championship got really interesting now. And I think you're going to, uh, see, uh, these two drivers battle out. It's basically going to come down to who has the best pace, uh, and best strategy on road courses. And uh, Pat Ward has a couple of wins already this year. Alex Blow and won the um, at he won at uh, Barber earlier this year. Uh, so definitely for uh, for him. I mean, and at uh, at Road America as well. So definitely for him. Uh, this is a important stretch, and they're both very good on road courses. Uh, although I, I would say maybe uh, Pelo has been a little bit more consistent on these type of tracks, but of course, you know, anything can happen and with uh, anything can happen, a lot of things end up do happening. So uh, for uh, Pelo now, he has to go out and uh, take a little bit more risks than maybe what he was wanting to. And I think for a word, he's just got to make sure he has enough pace to stay up front um, and uh conserve uh, his chances so that, you know, he doesn't get wrecked out like what happened to Polo. And then of course, uh, New Garden's kind of in the catbird seat. Uh, he's certainly on a roll right now. And if he wins uh, another race, he'll get closer uh, to the points lead. And uh, definitely he um, is not out of the championship just yet. Uh, Scott Dixon, uh, of course, uh, 
in this race got taken out, but I think for him, um, uh, it's a little bit more of a long shot than what we thought it would be. Uh, still, uh, he couldn't get back into it, but it's uh, definitely a lot more uh, difficult for him to uh, have a chance at this championship. So I think mainly it's going to be between uh, Pato Award and uh, Alex Blow, but of course, New Garden still has the opportunity to uh, join the party there uh, overall. But uh, this race, I mean, it was a uh, fairly wild, you know, with a lot of cautions at the beginning. And I think um, it, it's, it's like, feels like it's been a recurring run of races in the IndyCar series this season where the starts get marred by a lot of cautions. And it just seems like they just can't figure out a way to uh, restart races or start races and not get into incidents. And uh, I think, I think a lot of it has to do with race control. I think race control needs to do a little bit, do a little bit better job of uh, taking care of the drivers and uh, keeping them accountable and things like that. I think that's probably um, another reason uh to factor into Pelot's incident there. Um, you know, I think if drivers that are really talented, I mean, this is the talented uh, IndyCar series that we've had for the past couple of years. They're super supremely talented group of drivers, but you know, they, they're prone to making mistakes and um, taking out other drivers and it, it breaks up the flow of the races and, you know, takes away from the credibility of the sport uh, being able to put on good races, even though there is good racing, it's just, they, uh, happen to crash a lot, especially at the beginning of the races. And, uh, definitely if you're at the race, like you don't really want to see those many cautions over and over again, if you're watching on TV and if you're trying to introduce something, uh, somebody to the sport, uh, having all those cautions over and over again, um, kind of, uh, goes against, uh, getting that interest because then it takes away from the action. Um, but, uh, all of those happen and we just have to deal with it and hopefully they can figure things out and, uh, not have, uh, bad incidents and they can have a little bit more clean, uh, cleaner racing. And I think that would help, uh, with the series marketability and being able to, uh, show that, you know, to other people who are getting into racing, other racing fans, like from formula one, uh, to continue to grow the series. I think there's a lot of opportunity for that. They just have to make sure that, um, they can, uh, you know, be competent, I guess, in their ability to uh, showcase, uh, you know, the great IndyCar racing that uh, we like to see. Yeah, I think the last couple of races, as you said, have not been the greatest uh, exposure. Uh, the Nashville race was looked in a lot of ways, looked like a cluster. Uh, the early part of the race at Gateway, they were running over each other. I mean, the truck race wasn't much different in a lot of, and to be fair, at certain times. Um, it, the, the reality is both of the races at Gateway this weekend were similar in that there were dominant figures and Colton and uh, uh, New Garden dominated, led virtually the entire race, uh, same way as Sheldon Creed, and we'll talk about that in a little bit. Uh, but there was nonsense going on behind him, and you had random people getting in the top 10. Uh, getting into the results, Joseph New Garden wins, led 138 laps. You know, most laps, we got the bonus points for that. Pat Pato Award second. Will Power qualified on pole, finished third. Scott McLaughlin finished fourth. So Penske won three, four. And uh, Pagano finished eighth. So all the Penske cars in the top 10. Sebastian Bourdais led 18 laps in the AJ Foyt number 14 and finished fifth after starting 18th. Takuma Sato, former winner there, started 16th, finished sixth. Ryan Hunter Ray finished seventh. Uh, as I mentioned, Pagano Erickson finished ninth. 
and Jack Harvey finished 10th. Connor Daly, I uh, think, got the tied for the best finish that uh, the Carlin Racing team has had all year in 11th. Dalton Kellett had the best finish of his career uh, in 12th. Uh, Roman Grosjean uh, was one of the most entertaining guys the whole entire night. Um, he finished a lap down, but his drive was way better than where he finished 14th after starting 14th. And it's the um, highline hero there. Yeah, he was diamonding corners like like a freaking oval veteran. Uh, he was the probably the most entertaining guy out there outside of I think Colton. Uh, you know, Rossi of course wrecks it when he had a chance, which has become like the norm for him. Um, heard of if he isn't crashing, he has a mechanical. The Andretti Autosport team has taken a dive. Uh, I mean, for Rossi, he hasn't had it for a couple, two, three years since Herta showed up. Herta, if he isn't making a mistake, they make a mistake. It's They need to fix things real quick. And they're going to have two new drivers next year, and one of them is going to be Grosjean. So they better get things in line. Uh, of course, you know, we've talked ad nauseum about uh, Dixon, Pillow, and VK. Um Ed Carpenter wrecked by himself. It was a terrible weekend for Ed Carpenter Racing. Qualified in the back, wrecked a lot of, wrecked their cars. Um, it might be time for Ed Carpenter to probably, you know, if he wants to run a car, go and run a car as a third car and 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 have two full-time drivers and in turn probably maybe hang it up outside of Indy. Um, Graham Ray Hall and... Ed Jones wrecked two laps into the race, which was ridiculous. Ed Jones went and uh, decided to go and clear himself right into or Graham Ray Hall or whatever the hell. I think he or it was one. Of, it was a stupid wreck. Um, Ed Jones went his stupid idiot maggot moron owner Jimmy Vassar said, "Oh, he got Ray Hall." And then in the end, Ed Jones fucked up because he's Ed Jones. There's a reason why Ed Jones is freaking 20th in points. There are guys that have not even run a full season ahead of him. And Rosenquist missed, I don't know, two races. And he's only 26 points behind him. Um, Rupier Floathead is only 29 points behind him. Elio Castro Neves is 41 points behind Ed Jones, he's only run three fucking races. You want to tell me about how great Ed Jones is? I mean, it makes Rupier Floathead seem all right with the way he's been doing this year. Um, like, Ed Jones does not even have a job, and that team sucks. And, I mean, people want to hate Graham Rahal, but he told it like it is. He told the truth. Um, nobody likes him because they think he's daddy's money. Here's the reality. The guy actually gets sponsors. Um, he was sixth in points. He was trying to get to the top five in points, and he had a car. Qualifying was decent. He had a car that could have been top five. I mean, Sato finished sixth. So the reality is they could have finished top five of that, and he would have had a chance to possibly possibly win, or more than likely not, but possibly win and put himself in a chance to get a top five points position. And he's done it quietly all year. You get destroyed four laps into a 260 lap race. It's that's pretty weak, and now it's an uphill climb for him. Um, in regards to the points, since I mentioned it, Pato Award has a 10 point lead. 
Uh, Joseph Newgarden's 22 points behind Pato. Scott Dixon, 43. I think that's one of his championships. He had, to, I think, 15 when he had to beat Juan Pablo Monterrier. Uh, he had similar type of gap. Erickson's at 60 points. Uh, Graham Rahal, after I think he was sixth in points, he dropped a couple places. It's a close battle between Herda, Pagano, Rahal, and Power are separated by nine points now. So that could go and flip around as the last three races go. Sato took uh, 10th over VK. That's only one point. Alexander Rossi is in 12th. McLaughlin, who's in a fight with Roman Grosjean for Rookie of the Year, um, is ahead by 23 points. And so that that they have three races to go, so that'll be interesting to see how that all ends up. But a lot to talk about. We'll get into it in more detail um, next uh, in a few weeks' time when we uh, get into the, the indie cars and when they get on the West Coast swing there. Uh, we will... Now talk about Michigan and uh, the events at uh, Michigan International Speedway. It was at the Firekeeper Casino Fire 400. Casino uh, saw Ryan Blaney win his second race of the year. First time in his career. He's won multiple races. So YRB gets the dub. Uh, behind him was William Byron, Kyle Larson, Kurt Busch, Denny Hamlin, uh, D. Burrito, Kyle Busch, Clyde, Baba Bui, and Martin Truex. Chase Briscoe had a run. Kurt Busch cock blocked him like Ronnie the limo driver. Um, he had a chance to win that race. I don't care who any what anybody says. He could have won that fucking race, but Kurt Busch did Kurt Busch things. Um, basically Larson and Elliott dominated the race. They led 138 laps between them. If you look at the Hendrick cars, they led most of the race uh, between the three of them that were in contention. Cause, um, of course, as per usual, um, Alex Bowman was nowhere to be found. Um, but honestly, Ryan Blaney got the restart late. And finished the job there at uh, at Michigan International Speedway. Uh, there's probably a reason why they only have one race at Michigan International Speedway. Because running this package, it's got awful. Uh, I figure the new car ain't going to make it any better. But credit to YRB getting that second win. Trying to give, um, uh, what's his name, Todd Gordon, a walk-off championship as he goes into retirement, uh, Josh. But uh, Ford gets a win at home at Michigan International Speedway, and uh, Ryan Blaney gets one close to his uh, family home in Ohio there, too. I mean, I, I didn't think it was, you know, that terrible of a race or anything, but it was definitely uh, hard to pass uh, throughout the day uh, for the Cup Series. Uh, as, of course, 
Chase Elliott and Kyle Larson continue using uh, clean air to their advantage. And uh, you really had to, I think in order to pass, you basically would have had to have drafting help from behind and get a, a push draft. And maybe that was the difference uh, for uh, Larson and William Byner at the end there. Uh, maybe they could have uh, lined up together on the back stretch or down the front straight and tried to uh, bump draft or, or something and get a huge run at Ryan Blaney. Um, I mean, they did try to draft a little bit, but I don't think they did quite enough of what they could have done uh, there. But uh, Ryan Billy Blaney is able to just do a uh, good job there of getting a good restart and then just broke the draft continuously throughout the last eight laps of the race to get the win. Uh, I mean, Kurt Busch finished fourth, like you mentioned. And I mean, he did block kind of got into uh, Chase Briscoe's way, I guess. But I think Briscoe could have had a chance there on the backstretch. Uh, uh, on the last couple of laps to just cut down uh, on the inside of Kurt Busch there instead, um, uh, instead of just running into the back of him. And I think he would have had enough speed to get past him on the straight there. And then maybe he could have challenged because, I mean, he did get up there and there could have been a chance for Chase Briscoe to at least get a top five out of that one or uh, a top 10 out of that one. So a little bit of, uh, you know, two sides of that fence could have uh, either Kurt Busch doesn't block or, you know, you, cut to the left really quick and pass him there. Uh, so that could have happened. Um, uh, Denny Hamlin, who I picked to win, uh, had a chance. Uh, I think they were trying a little bit different strategy than what the Chevys were, what the Fords were, and uh, didn't quite work out, but they still got a top five out of it. Uh, still no wins for them on the season. Um, uh, Kevin Harvick was nowhere to be found after people were talking about him maybe having a chance to uh, win this race. Uh yeah, given his history at the track for the past couple of years, but Stuart Haas not really uh, on it this year. Matt DiBenedetto, um, whatever chance he has at making the playoffs, I mean, he's still trying to get top 10 finishes out of it uh, to try to at least have some points, a chance at getting in there. Um, I mean, then, of course, uh, on the other end of the stick, you have guys like uh, Austin Dillon, who had a really good car and was definitely up in the top five the first uh, two stages of the race. And then uh, you know, he side-drafted, uh, Brad Keselowski on the front stretch and uh, was able to pass him there for, for fifth place uh, at the end of the uh, stage there or sixth place at the end of the stage. And then um, he was trying to merge back up onto the racetrack or be on the apron and then got into uh, Brad Keselowski's uh, front quarter pound or front fender there on the left front and uh, ended up crashing himself into the wall. So it was a, a mistake there, uh, you know, just, uh, I guess, a disagreement of lane choice there getting back onto the racetrack after the stage end. Uh, and so now Austin Dillon's going to have to uh, have a really good run at Daytona and, and probably have to win the race to make it into the playoffs. Um, but then again, uh, for, uh, for him there, like if he, if he didn't get crashed there, he probably could have finished uh, top five. I, he had a lot of good pace there. So th that one was a definitely a missed opportunity there. And then on the, you know, one thing to talk about that is, um, I've never seen, I mean, I don't think we've ever seen like a car get crashed after the stage finish. It's usually coming to the stage uh, where we see drivers crash if there is anything. Uh, but, you know, I think this is the first time ever where I've seen yeah. someone get crashed after they pass the start finish line. For seventh, yeah. for three points, you're, yeah. you're, you're wrecking each other. It wasn't yeah. a good look for either side. Yeah. Um, I mean, I before you keep going, I'm sorry. I had to go no, and fine. insert this. The fact is... Uh, Brad, I think, held. It looked a lot like Kyle Petty in Davey Allison at the end of the 92 wins. Yeah. I said that. Where, you know, Kyle Petty backed off, didn't care, whatever. And I think Davey, it worked out like Davey moved over. Or 
or Kyle let his car go and he hooked Davey in the right rear and destroyed the car, knocked Davey unconscious. In this case, Brad held his line and Austin Dillon basically copped to saying, I moved up and he thought that he wasn't there. So he cleared himself across the nose of Baba Booey and then sent himself right into the fence yep. when he had a chance at a top five finish, which, I mean, I don't know how the hell you do that. Um, it, and Because I knew, to be fair, that's one of Dylan's best tracks. I knew that RCR was going to put a lot of effort into that race because, what is it, um, uh, uh, Reddick's great there too. Um, so the fact that Dylan had a chance to possibly get a top five and maybe backdoor a win, and then you do that, it's not good because now he basically has to do a Hail Mary to, um, I mean, he's won the Daytona 500, so it's not like it's out of the realm of possibility, but also Tyler Reddick's won a Daytona and an Xfinity car and RCR is big on doing well at Daytona. So, I mean, it's not out of the realm of possibility, but really Austin Dillon in that spot, that was a spot where if he's supposed to be this big time guy, he should have just held his line and he'd have been fine. Um, and he probably gets a top five finish the way things were going. His car was probably the third best car uh, on Sunday. Yeah, uh, he behind had good pace. The five, but, but behind the five and the nine, he was the best car, and and he could have passed them. So I mean, it it was a real unforced error on his part to possibly go out there and maybe win a race and back yourself into the playoffs. And now he's going to literally have to have a hail mary to go and make it in. Yeah, but uh, speaking of Tyler Reddick, there, I mean, he had a chance. To, I mean, he's still going to on the inside of the playoffs, but had a really good chance to. Uh, solidify his position uh, going into Daytona, but he also uh, had a, a crash there at the end after the rain caution and uh, for Reddick uh, had a really aggressive move uh, to the in very low inside of uh, turn three and turn four um, with after, after that caution. And then uh, he and Joey Logano kind of got into it. He got loose, kind of spun into the grass. Uh, Logano ended up wrecking in that one. So that was um, kind of a, desperation move when uh you know if he didn't do that uh he probably would have had a chance to have a, a larger points gap going to back to austin dillon so um that's a maybe a little bit of an unforced error there too uh when you consider uh the points gap between him and dillon but um it's still going to be a kind of a, a battle going into daytona uh i mean I, reddick does not have to risk as much as uh uh, Austin Dillon. And I think that's going to be a storyline is um, how much are they going to help each other in the draft? If uh, Reddick is going to hang out uh, Austin Dillon to dry uh, at every opportunity he gets uh, to make sure he gets in the playoffs or are they going to help each other until like the last 10 laps of the race and then uh, let things play. But uh, for Dillon, he's probably gonna have to be a really, really aggressive Daytona. And I think, um, Tyler Reddick is probably going to just have to make sure he survives and uh, doesn't crash out or anything like that uh, here on Saturday night at Daytona. Yeah, it's basically going to be a survival deal for him uh, to go and he needs to finish like 25th or some shit. Um, and considering the way they yard sale cars 
at Daytona and Talladega. It's the last two races they're going to be running uh, with this rules with these cars and with this rules package. I figure there's going to be at least thirty percent at a at a minimum. So thirty percent of these cars are going to get destroyed. So literally, if he runs Dale does the Dale Jarrett strategy, runs tailback until like ten to go or twenty to go or whatever, he'll get a top twenty five and he'll win. Or he'll get into the playoffs. Um, what he does in playoffs is to be determined. I don't think it really matters. Um, while he's 12th in points, him and Austin Dillon have been in the back portion of the points. They've only had flashes here and there. Once you get to the playoffs, you need to be on the whole time, really. Um, you may have one mulligan in a sense, but the better you are in points, that's more likely that that'll actually come through versus, you know, not having anything. And then you're having to, you know, you need to have like a Tony Stewart situation in 2011. Uh, that's that's basically, and the, the problem with this point system and the way they have it is they're trying to force it because it's like wrestling. So. CM Punk is back. <laughs> you know, yeah, CM Punk is back. Um, they've, they're making me think about uh, watching uh, uh, AEW now because he's basically my favorite wrestler. Phil's back, so um, that's what you need. Uh, you're gonna have to have something like that—a guy that's not supposed to win, or your guy like he need. They need to do that. Uh, but we will see. We'll talk about Daytona um, in uh, a little bit and uh, get into all that goes on with uh, Daytona in general. The um, we'll call it the NASCAR roundup with the other two major series. Uh, the Xfinity series saw AJ Allmendinger win uh, again and uh, won on uh, at Michigan International Speedway, held off the likes of uh, Josh Berry driving the one car, which kind of tells you all you need to know whether they put Clyde in that car or Josh Berry in that car. It runs up front. When Michael Annette's in it, he can't run better than like 12th. I don't know. Maybe it's the guy that's usually driving it. Um, but that's mean. You're not supposed to say that. Um, but he's daddy's money and he sucks. Uh, you know, they uh, it's pretty straightforward in that sense. AJ Allmendinger's only 35 points behind Austin Sindrick in the uh, overall point standings for the uh, the 15 bonus points. So that's actually become a little more intriguing with, I don't know how many races, like four or five races to go, uh, including Daytona, Allgaier's third, Jeb Burton's fourth. Myatt Snyder has a win. If he didn't have the win, he wouldn't even make the playoffs. That's how bad he's been. Um, Hamrick, Burt, Harrison Burton, Justin Haley, Gagson, Bruckshot Jones, Clemens, Riley Herbst is 41 points out of Michael Annette. So basically, he needed Michael Annette to miss races to make the playoffs uh, because Riley Herbst sucks. Unless Michael Annette gets back in the car and wins at Daytona. I don't even know if he's in the car this weekend. That'd be Jace Briscoe's actually going to be in the BJ McLeod 99 car. So. Have a reason to watch Friday night at least. Uh, he'll be starting 
tailback, but he'll be back there with that inbred Tim Vines and Joe Graff Jr., who both of them suck at life. Spencer Boyd has something with like a hometown uh whatever sponsor. Jason White, geez. Um yeah, Caesar Baccarello sucks. Uh bunch of these guys that don't even know how to drive. Uh Sam Mayer starts twenty second. Snyder's starts twenty third. Now you think he qualified on pole uh earlier this year. Uh, in February when um, who knew Crosley made furniture? Uh, yeah, Michael Annette's in the race. So actually, if that if he somehow or another backdoors a win like he did the last time he won there for Talladega, I forget which place. I think it was Daytona he won. Um, he won the February Daytona race. If he somehow or another does that, he'll be in the playoffs because he got the waiver. Um, but when you consider the likes of Christopher Bell, and Chase Briscoe are in the race, even though there aren't that many Fords. Uh, that could be something. Herbst is up there, so probably destroys some people. But I think we'll get into I'm I'm getting off topic, but really, to be fair, it kind of goes and comes together because College Racing is having a great year. AJ Allmendinger having a great couple of weeks. Goes and takes... After going and winning the Indianapolis Cup race, he goes and wins the Xfinity race at Michigan. Uh, big deal for him, big deal for the team, because uh, Austin Cedric had a rough uh, rough day. Damage vehicle policy knocked him out. Snyder and then, you know, Hemrick got wrecked early too. So it was an interesting uh, deal there, but really... Yeah, AJ Allmendinger goes and comes through, leads the most laps, and cuts that points gap down big time uh, in a spot where he needed to to go and possibly win a regular season title there, Josh. Yeah, was, or AJ Allmendinger uh, continuing to get race wins in the Xfinity Series, uh, getting his third win of the year uh, so far, and uh, showing you know he's at least competent on the ovals, at least in the Xfinity and. Uh, Probably this is his audition for the cup car uh, for uh, college racing next year. But uh, I think for, for uh, Almondinger, um, it has a chance now to possibly steal away the uh, regular season championship from Austin Sindrick. You know, we all thought this whole time would just go and uh, basically it would be a breeze for Austin Sindrick to win the uh, regular season championship there, but may not be the case. But I think in this race, uh, lap 88, lap 87, uh, Almondinger and uh, Austin or and Justin Algar are battling together for the lead. And then Josh Berry goes high, turn three and four on lap 87, then goes high and turn one and two in the next lap and takes the lead away from them. And he had the best car there at the end of the race uh, from that point forward, really. Uh, after the next set of pit stops, he was able to, he was about to pass uh, Justin Algar there and then ended up. Uh, having a caution and then uh, was trying really hard to get back up to the lead, but ultimately was not able to, and, you know, I think uh, or for those cautions, I think Josh Berry probably would have won this race. And I think it would have been a little bit of better story considering how uh, they had just announced during the uh, previous week that he'd be full-time at junior motorsports uh, the next year and getting another win would certainly uh, just kind of be icing on the cake uh, for that storyline. So uh, still for Josh Berry, I, proves that he's able to uh, go out in these Xfinity cars and uh, compete and uh, lead laps and uh, 
be a, a race winning car. So uh, it's definitely proving his worth so far, uh, whether it's the eight car or the one car, or even the 31 car when he's racing for uh, Jordan Anderson there. So I think he probably would have won that race if it weren't for all that stuff. But of course, uh, Almendinger continuing to uh, inch into that regular season points lead. Uh, still a few more races to go, but definitely uh, uh, getting closer to that and uh, possibly could steal that one there uh, if uh, all things go right for him. Yeah, and I was rooting for Josh Perry. I heard that on the radio. I'm like, I wanted that one car to win just to basically prove that Michael and that's a piece of shit. Um, but then the restarts didn't work out too well for him. But I think all, at the end of the day, all of this is learning experience for Josh Berry towards his eventual goal of going and winning the Xfinity title next year, which he will be a favorite uh, with the likes of Ty Gibbs and whoever the hell else is left, probably um, Allgaier and a couple other freaking daddy's money ride buyers. But really, I think the championship will start with Ty Gibbs and Josh Berry uh, which will be the first time I think in a while that junior motorsports has really had a favorite title favorite. Um, but unfortunately they weren't able to close the deal there. Um, Almendinger Jones, Gagson, Barry, Harrison Burton, the top five, uh, all guy are six. So the fact is JRM three, four, six, uh, JGR second and fifth Herbst, uh, Brett Moffitt, Jade Buford gets a ninth place finish. So I think that was his best finish on an oval and uh, Bubba Wallace driving for uh, Shiggy Hattori and uh, Carl Long running scuff tires for most of the day, went down laps, but came back and finished 10th. Uh, Clemens finished 11th. C Ty Gibbs had nothing. Most of the day, Matt Mills actually didn't crash. Um, so, um, Credit to him that he didn't crash. Uh, Jordan Anderson beat his buddy Tyler Reddick there. 15-16, uh, Justin Haley was a non-factor. And that's about it. Uh, we talked about, yeah, and Jeb Burton had issues. You got some of these other people there. Jesse Little, yeah, and dude, he got correct. Uh, and, uh, so Sam Mayer wasn't doing crap. So uh, points. Yeah, I mentioned the points already. Um, speaking of points, we get into the truck series, and Sheldon Creed won at Gateway the Toyota 200. And uh, that was, uh, he was a dominant figure there, takes the points lead. He, get, he advances into the round of eight. So now he gets a prepare for the last two races of this round uh, towards those three to possibly go and repeat as a champion. Uh, he doesn't have a ride. It basically said that in victory lane that he has no idea what he's going to be doing next year. Uh, he has nothing announced. GMS has a cup charter randomly. People forget about that. Um, maybe that's a thing. Maybe he goes to Xfinity series. Uh, with JRM, maybe who knows what it'll be, but Sheldon Creed uh, is one of the best drivers there is right now in NASCAR, one of the young guns. Um, and he went and put a stamp on his claim to try to defend his championship over John Hunter Nemechek, who didn't really do much of anything 
uh, on Friday night at Gateway with the lights on or off. Um, John Hunter only finished 22nd in that race after there was a bunch of accidents and crap. So um, Sheldon Creed, Matt Crafton, Ben Rhodes, Stuart Friesen, Johnny Sauter, top five Johnny Sauter, uh, change crew chiefs. Uh, him and Joe Shear were separated. Uh, Joe Shear ended up working with uh, Christian Eck, or, I mean, Ty Majeski. And uh, Ty Majeski had a good run, but got taken out in a big wreck uh, that involved uh, other a bunch of other cars, car trucks, uh, Eckes and Ankrum and Jake Griffin in the 45. Chase Purdy, Haley Deegan, Carson Hosevar, who was, t- who was terrible all night. Austin Wayne, Self, Jack Wood, the top 10. Uh, yeah, I mean, Ryan Truex should have gotten the top uh, five, but he got ran over by one of the Gray brothers. Uh, or top 10, he got run over by one of the Gray brothers. Uh, both of them were just like darts without feathers because they, they really suck. Um, there was a lot of bad driving and bad driving standards in this race too. Uh, but you know, Sheldon Creed dominated. It was really just him. The only other person that had something was Zane Smith and he had a rear gear issue. So, uh, it was a GMS kind of show, which is something we haven't said in a while. And that may be a pre is it a precursor in, in your mind, Josh, or is it just because it was gateway and it's a place where um, Sheldon Creed has been good at before as we go towards Darlington, which Sheldon Creed won uh, at Darlington earlier this year. And Zane Smith actually had a really good run there last year uh, in September, uh, amongst other people, I think, whatever, Derek Krause. Uh, I forget who won the race last September, but uh, it could it be a precursor for GMS to possibly go and sneak around uh, Kyle Busch Motorsports here and John Hunter and Eric Phillips, who have been the dominant figures so far in 2021 to get a truck series championship. Yeah, I think it's definitely a precursor there. I mean, we talked about in the preview, like Sheldon Creed uh, hasn't been as dominant over the season as he was last year. And the story this year, the best team of this truck series is uh, John Hunter-Niacek with Kyle Busch Motorsports. And uh, in this race on Friday night at Gateway, uh, Sheldon Creed led almost the entire race. And uh, I think maybe GMS has something that uh, they've been hiding for most of the season uh, and they've let... Hunter Nemechek, you know, get the regular season points lead and all that stuff, but now they're right back in it. They're only two points behind uh, Hunter Nemechek in that uh, championship battle going into the uh, second round uh, at Darlington in a few weeks from now. But uh, John Hunter Nemechek wasn't even a factor in this race. So he was involved in that big wreck uh, with um, he was involved in that big wreck, but he was um, not even even then like did not even lead any laps in, in that race. So. Um, nothing really to show for that. But then, of course, uh, Sheldon Greed uh, leads um, nearly, the, nearly the entire race. And I think um, for, for him, uh, definitely a, a confidence booster for the entire team being able to uh, come out on top like that the first race of the playoffs. For other teams like his teammate, uh, Zane Smith. I mean, Zane Smith uh, uh, last year was in the Final Four, and this year 
is on the other side of getting eliminated. So potentially uh, that could happen to him this first round if he ends up getting eliminated, uh, which is very possible being on the uh, other side of the cut line there. But a lot of uh, drivers got crashed in this race. Um, like you said, poor driving standards. Uh, the, the track had lighting issues as well like they did on the day afterwards in the uh, IndyCar race. So uh, maybe the track management has to work on the electricity, make sure uh, the lights don't go out like that um, in future races. So that'll be something to look into. Um, Haley Diggin getting her first top 10 career finish uh, in the trucks, which probably a benefit of all the crashes and stuff, but still is able to get uh, that done. So uh, credit here, I guess, but uh, Sheldon Creed, uh, looking like what he was in 2020 uh, now at Gateway and maybe possibly for the rest of the playoffs. And it would be cool to see because um, he's a guy that should have a job in one of NASCAR's big three series. I know that Robbie Gordon would gladly put him back in a stadium super truck, but to be fair, just like Matthew Brabham, uh, that would basically say he's underemployed relative to his actual talent um, when you consider the inbred bullshit that goes on amongst other guys that are within that series. Um, I think Sheldon Creed should be in an Xfinity car or a cup car next year. Um, he might be able to call his own shot. He can go and get this championship and repeat, be like Ron Hornaday or be like those kind of guys, the legends of this truck series. Uh, we will go and move on from NASCAR to the 24 Hours of Le Mans, uh, which was um, on Motor Trend TV. Uh, only saw bits and pieces of it. There was a, a lot of action in the first lap, few laps, couple of laps of the, the race, and then... The they had issues in the final lap of the race, which um, which was interesting to say the least. They were able to it, it worked out that Toyota, which in recent years has been able to be dominant at the uh, 24 hours of Le Mans with the different changes uh, in the format and the, the uh, rules. They were able to go out there and win uh, this race, even though there was, they had challenge, they had a challenge. Um, uh, the results of the 24 hours of Le Mans, uh, Mike Conway, Kamui Kobayashi, and Jose Maria Lopez, after uh, the uh, bad luck they've had over other years, uh, finally gets the win, two lap victory over their teammates Sebastian Boemi, Kazuki Nakajima and Brendan Hartley uh, Andrea Negrau Nicola Lapierre and Matteo Vaxvieri in the Alpine finished third uh, so the two lap win over there on the Toyota side four laps on the Alpine uh, they tie they had this they were on the same lap with Pippo Durrani, Frank Malieu, and Olivier Pla in the Glickenhaus car. And the other Glickenhaus car of Briscoe, Westbrook, Dumas finished fifth. The, the uh, number 31 of Robin Freins, 
Fernand Habsburg and Charles Milesi ended up winning the uh, LMP2 category over Sean Galeo, Stoffel Van Dorn, Tom Blomquist, which was decided right at the line. Julian Cannell, uh, Will Stevens, and James Allen finished third in the LMP2 class. Um, they don't show the car that was um that ended up the car that was leading Robert Kubica, Louis Delatras, and Yeye Fay uh was leading the class until the last lap and they stopped in the um in the S's before uh the Mulsan uh and uh they were going to win the race, so it was freaking brutal for them, and they weren't even classified, which is just atrocious. Um, so that was crazy. Uh, the In regards to the GTE categories, Alexander Perguidi, James Collado, and Legadar in the Ferrari for AF Corsa beat the Corvette of Antonio Garcia, Jordan Taylor, and Nikki Katzberg. And then they had a and third was the Porsche of Kevin Estri, Neil Yanni, and Michael Christensen, a lap behind. In GTM, Francois Perotto, Nicholas Nielsen, and Al Aliseo Rivera uh, wins over Ben Keating, Dylan Pereira, and Felipe Fraga in the Aston Martin, number 33. And Matteo Crisoni, Reno Mastronardi, and Callum Eilat um, in GTM. The innovative car actually finished the 334 laps. That's pretty good. Um, and then uh, we've got AMs, P2s, other people. So that was the 24 hours of Ma. And you got people like the Asimarans of Paul Dalana. Didn't run a whole lot. Harry Tinknell got knocked out early in the race. The women's car um, had issues not of their own doing. And you got some of these other people trying to go look through the American drivers. Robbie Foley was in a Porsche. It's not classified. The WeatherTech Porsche got knocked out. You know, Patrick Kelly, Gabriel Aubrey, Simon Trummer. Uh, the Aero Autosport uh, LMP2 got knocked out. Uh, Urine Bleakamo in there. Uh, Tommy Milner, Nick Tandy, Alexander Sims finished last of the classified runners there with the uh, Corvette C8. Uh, we will go from that to... The uh, World Superbikes at Navarra. Navarra. Race one saw Scott Redding beat Johnny Ray and Toprak Westgulu. And uh, looking for Garrett Gerloff, he finished ninth. Super Pole race, uh, Redding, Ray, Westgulu, Gerloff ninth. In the actual race, in race two, Saw Scott in race two, Topak Rasagulu, Scott Redding, Johnny Ray, and um, 
Jason Uribe, American just outside the points. Garrett Gerloff crashed in the first lap with Chaz Davies. So unfortunate there. The standings see Johnny Ray and Topak Rasagulu tied at 311 points. Redding is in third and not challenged over 100 points ahead of Alex Lowe's. Andrea Locatelli in fifth is only one point ahead of Michael Rubin Rinaldi. Tom Sykes is seventh, was it five points behind? Gerloff is 16 points out of the top five, and he has a big gap on Chaz Davies. So that will be um, interesting as we get into the last few races of the season. The Indy Lights ran at Gateway last week uh, with um, with uh, David Malukas beating Kyle Kirkwood, and that was um, that was a good. It was good racing between the two of them. Kyle Kirkwood had some big saves in in the races. They had the uh, what is it? In car cameras on that. David Malukas gets a double, beating Kirkwood in both races. Um, Benjamin Peterson finishing third in both. Devlin D. Francesco fourth in race one and fifth in race two. Linus Lundquist finished fourth in race two. Alex Peroni finished fifth in race one. So there's the results in that. Kirkwood has a two-point lead on David Malukas. Linus Lundquist is third by himself, basically, in his own little world. Daniel Frost is eight points ahead of Devlin DeFrancesco, 11 points ahead of Toby Sowery, and 15 points ahead of Benjamin Peterson. So actually, you know, from Daniel Frost to Robert McGinnis is, what, 23 points. So that's actually a pretty good battle between those guys. Um, Kirkwood, of course, looking towards trying to get an Indy car ride. I don't understand why David Malukas isn't in in talks to be an IndyCar ride the way he's been running this year, but I guess we will see what happens with that. Um, DTM at uh, the Nurburgring these last uh, was his last week. Uh, DTM we have Ludwig Schutzen. 10 different GT3 manufacturers, Team Albon. Oh, Alexander Albon won. Oh, that's something. That must be nice. Uh, Race one. Why is it showing you? So race one at the Nürburgring saw Kelvin Vanderlinde Philip Ellis, Mike Rockenfeller, the, the podium with Goats and Whitman, the top five. And in race two, as I mentioned, Alexander Albon won over Daniel Yukandela, Marco Whitman, Mal- Maximilian Gotz, and Esteban Muth. Um, Arjun Miney actually finished seventh. That's something. Uh, Vanderlinda still leads the points by uh, 
what is it? 29, 33. Uh, Goats, Wittmann are only separated by two points. Albon's now up to fourth over teammate Liam Lawson. Uh, Philip Ellis, sixth. Rockenfeller, Auer, Muller, Young Ganilla, top 10. Arjun Miney gets his first points of the uh, year or in recent time there. So he's he's gotten points. Uh, people in this, Sophia Flores, Schubert Haupt, and people, Dev Gore got thrown out of his ride, I guess, because he didn't have money anymore because he sucks. That's something. And um, considering how bad the series is, uh, we'll get into the F3 W series as well. We'll be running at Spa, which we were about to preview the uh, Belgian Grand Prix. Double driver change for Shrews and FIA. As altered Enzo Fittipaldi, and oh wow, so that's interesting. Yaney, so U.S. four hundred is set to do well. So two Americans are going to actually be out on the grid for the um, for the team at Chirus Racing System. So you have Logan Sargent, and then Yaney, who won the U.S. F four championship will be racing here, so that'll be cool. Another American on the grid, so that'll be pretty good. That's interesting. So the one guy sucked. He didn't have best finish at 13th, but Enzo Fittipaldi actually had gotten a podium at the Hungaro ring, so probably run out of money. Uh, World World Rally Champions to hybrid rally one entry. Yeah, we'll see about that. Um... No, that's not what I wanted to do. Uh, in regards to the points at at uh, in Formula Three going into the races at Spa, the three races alive at Spa uh, this coming weekend. Dennis Hauger has a huge point lead. He's got sixty-seven point lead over Jack Dewin, um, Ollie Caldwell. But Jack Dewan, Ollie Caldwell, and Frederick Vesti are only separated by nine points. So that's really the main battle. Um, Smolier and Clement Novalak are a little bit further behind. Victor Martins. Those are the seven guys that have really been up there most of the year. Um, you know, Artur Leclerc, Matteo Nanini, Caio Ka- Collette, Iwasa. Schumacher, they're within nine points, Sargent, and that's a separate battle. Sargent, of course, got called in late to drive for Schroes, and after nearly winning the championship, he's in a worse car, and we see all the guys that are in the team that he was in are all contending. Uh, So we'll see what happens with that. Maybe Logan Sargent gets a win. Be nice. Uh, Juan Manuel Correa returning to uh, Spa for the first time since the accident, which saw um, Antoine Hubert. Yeah, that's who it was. So, you know, the passing of Antoine Hubert. So, he, uh, first time he'll return there. You have 
other guys like Kalen Frederick, Jack Crawford, Americans struggled so far this year. There's guys. We'll see how all that goes in regards to W series. Uh, they'll be running at Spa. Chadwick uh, is taking the points lead over Alice Powell. Um, trying to defend her title. Um, otherwise, it's, it's pretty close between a bunch of girls. Marty Moore, Kimmelainen, Woolwind are only separated, and Sirikova only separated by three points. Uh, you have Abby Eaton, who was the Stig in the Grand Tour and is the girlfriend, I think, of Alex Powell, um, is in 12th. Um, Sabery Cook, the American, no points so far this year. Caitlin Wood, the Australian, is also behind her. Jessica Hawkins, a British driver, has one point. Vicky Perea, who's good looking, um, she only has one point. Nice Instagram, she takes lots of great pictures. I'm sure she should probably go and do it with less clothing, and probably be better for her because her driving ain't great. Uh, Betske Visser has been struggling this year. She's a W. Um, she drives an LMP2 with uh, another girl that's an Instagram basically influencer because her driving isn't great. Uh, she's that girl on DTM. Why am I forgetting her name? But whatever, fuck it. Um, when it comes to. Scroll all the way over. Uh, Moto GP and Moto Two. We've had the uh, announcement of Maverick Vinales getting dropped by Yamaha officially. So he's um, he's a uh, pre-injury. Me could fight for one of you. That's interesting. Since the Honda's not that good, Vinales wants uh, Prelia wants Vinales to race its bike this season. Um, that's we'll see what happens. That Cal Crutchlow will be racing on the factory Yamaha in his place, and Jake Dixon will be making his debut for the Patronus SRT effort uh, as the teammate to Valentino Rossi. Uh, Franco Morbidelli still recovering from his knee injury. Uh, so that'll be interesting. So he's a factory contractor. Uh, Let's say in Talon's place, there's about the A spec M1. Britain's Dixon. So that it's basically a case where uh, the Patronus team, which there aren't going to be Patronus next year, trying to figure out who will be on those bikes. So they have. Uh, two English riders um, make a decision in the rest of the season. Probably you'll be on the bike for the rest of the year. Um, in regards to the point standings, I mean, Fabio Quattararo uh, consolidated his situation, even with Peko Bagnaia getting a second-place finish. Uh, he's got, what is it, a 47-point lead. On Bagnai and Mir, who's trying to defend his championship, a 49 point lead on Johan Zarco. It's going to be very hard for any of those guys to really go and pass him for this world championship. Jack Miller in fifth, Binder 
after the win and holding out for dear life in Austria. Uh, Gets he's sixth over Vinales, Oliveira, who married his stepsister. Because, yeah, I mean, people talk about the South, but um, I guess Portuguese people go in and marry their their neck their kin. So, yeah, and he has a kid with her, I think, too, which is creepy. Um, Alex Fargo, Jorge Martin, uh, who won a at Austria one is uh, the top 10 Mark Marquez just outside of the top 10 uh, moto two standings. The Americans have had uh, struggles here in recent events. So um, Remy Gardner has a 19 point lead on rule Fernandez. The Secchi's in his own little, uh, spot Sam Lowe's in his own little spot in fourth. Kinnett, Fernandez, Giantonio, Agura, all separated by three points. Shorter is 11 points out. Roberts has dropped all the way out to 11th. And uh, Cameron Bobier is 17th in points as uh, we get towards um, the race at Silverstone here this weekend. Uh, Extreme E will be running in Greenland uh, this weekend. Uh, first race in a while for them. Just fine. Molly Taylor and Johan Christofferson are the current points leaders for um, Rosberg's team by nine over X44. So Lewis Hamilton's team of Christina Gutierrez and Sebastian Loeb. And then uh was it uh Jensen Button's team uh with Kotolinski and now Jensen Button will actually be driving this weekend. So they're tied and then the uh Veloche team of Jamie Chadwick and Stefan Sarazan. So three teams tied for that. When you go and look further down the American team of uh, Sarah Price and Kyle LaDuke are uh, are further back in regards to the points. Uh, they don't really have – they're just running for wins, so hopefully they'll be able to put it together uh, here in this race uh, this weekend in Greenland. They're all there, but uh, – and a science the Spanish team. You have the Andretti uh, United team with Katie Munnings and Timmy Hansen. They've announced that they're going to be uh, back uh, together next year. Of course, McLaren has already announced uh, they'll be on the grid, and they are. They have Tanner Faust coming in for as their male driver, and they. I don't think they've. They've announced their female driver yet, so that'll be interesting who they pick up in regards to that. Um, I'm going to switch over to the uh, British Grand Prix preview. Uh, Josh uh, can go and kick in here in regards to what do you expect between, I mean, the main battle, we have the second half of the season, what we're going to see, but it's really. 
it starts and ends with Lewis and Max. Um, who do you think has the edge going to a fast, a classic circuit here? Um, not only on one lap, but in this race this weekend. And then on top of that, what do you see with the additional battles that are going on? McLaren, Ferrari, and then the three pods that we have uh, essentially after we get past uh, Mercedes and Red Bull for this weekend as we go towards a three-week stretch, which will have the Belgian Grand Prix, the Italian Grand Prix, and uh, the uh what am i uh, why am i forgetting um in zanfort uh the dutch grand prix uh, yeah the dutch grand prix in in zanfort so it'll be three race three races in a row after the uh summer break yeah i mean i i think for this grand prix coming up here in belgium at spa i mean one of the classic formula one tracks one of the best tracks really in motorsports but uh, i think is a lot of unknowns i feel like with with this battle we've been away for so long for almost a month now for from formula one but at the same time uh i think with with the lewis hamilton we'll have to see what kind of what kind of uh gains have they made since then i mean i know they have had a lot of limitations but i mean of course there's probably a little bit of work maybe that has been done uh internally to see what what they can do to uh, try to keep up with uh, Max Verstappen and and Red Bull there, but I think there's going to be a lot of uh, um, variation. I feel like because uh, I think with Max Verstappen, I think they have an opportunity to get back up front, but at the same time, I think uh, Lewis Hamilton, uh, um, they they uh, have a little bit more me- momentum now. Uh, they've had a win at the British Grand Prix. They uh, got a podium uh, at the Hungarian Grand Prix. So I think in, after the break, uh, if they can continue that momentum, they'll be right there with uh, uh, Max Verstappen. So I think um, for Verstappen, they just have to get back into a rhythm. You know, they've had a couple of races now where they had an accident at British Grand Prix first lap, and then they got caught up in the first lap accident in Hungary, but although they didn't get taken out, they uh, ended up only getting one point. So now Verstappen has to figure out a way to stop the bleeding. I think uh, they, they'll have to get a podium here or to win the race to be able to get themselves back into the title fight and inject a little bit of life back into the team. Uh, I think for Hamilton, he just has to keep getting podiums and try to win the race. For uh, for Hamilton, he just needs to have good pace throughout the entire lap, uh, first lap, and then uh, just maintain it throughout the rest of the way. Uh, they'll have to either undercut or overcut, depending on how the race goes. Uh, I think for stopping, uh, they seem to have good pitch strategy, but I think Mer- Mercedes, um, since they know that they have a little bit of issue with pace or that they have had a little issue with pace, they've had to do a little bit different on the uh, pit strategy. And we'll see depending on the pace uh, that they have throughout the weekend, uh, depending on how they feel McLaren or Red Bull's paces, we'll, we'll have to see what type, what type of uh, pit strategy they bring. Um, if they try to undercut um, and bring Lewis in first and try to get a big lead or they do an overcut 
and try to hold him out there as long as possible and build up a lead uh, that he can hold on to. So a lot of things uh, in play. Of course, this is a fast racetrack. Uh, you know, going through Eroge, uh, you have uh, really a corner where you can go flat out onto the long straight. Uh, and I, you know, I think with this track, um, it's a you know a lot of high speed corners, a lot of um, opportunities uh, to get away from each other. Um, and you know, there's really only a couple of corners there that are really low speed uh, where you can maybe try to make a move and pass. So a lot of opportunities uh, for both of these teams this weekend. Um, we'll have to see what happens as we go forward uh, onto the, after this race. But I think for the rest of the field uh, this weekend, you know, we also have to talk about um, McLaren versus uh, Ferrari. Uh, we have Matt, um, we've got Daniel Ricardo and, uh, Lando Norris also uh, fighting uh, to finish the season strong. Lando's, of course, third in the points. Daniel's a little bit lower, seventh points. And then, of course, Ferrari, you got uh, Carlos Sainz Jr. and uh, Land and Charles Leclerc kind of fumbling there. But, you know, Charles Leclerc um, seems to be the best of the Ferraris right now. And seems like on some races, Ferrari has the pace. And then on other days, they don't. McLaren, uh, seems to have kind of the same inconsistency they but a little bit less inconsistent than Ferrari so I think that's going to be an interesting battle to see uh throughout the weekend um I think this is an opportunity for Lando Norris to um get away from uh the rest of the field and and uh secure his place in third position on the, the points championship uh I think for uh Ricardo he's got to be able to finish higher uh than what he has been finishing uh, try to shoot for a podium if it's possible uh, without making any mistakes. Uh, as right now, it still seems like uh, he's been struggling. And that's another storyline with uh, Ricardo, his uh, feeling with uh, the car's handling. Just seems like the car uh, doesn't agree with his driving style or he uh, just doesn't fit his driving style, style just yet. So I think uh, for him, uh, it's going to be uh, worth to see if uh, he's able to make any improvements um, throughout the next course of the, the season. Um, and if it feels any different than from what it does before. So that's, um, I think for McLaren, that's uh, where the focus is. And then of course, uh, Charles Leclerc, uh, this is a good track for him. I think of course, winning here in the past in 2019, but, um, I think, uh, it's possible that they, you know, I think they'll finish in the points, um, is a podium likely, uh, not sure, but you know, anything can happen. Uh, but definitely maybe like a, a fifth place finish or something for uh, Ferrari. And then of course, in the midfield, you know, going back later in, into the uh, standings, you know, you have Alpine racing uh, going up against, um, you know, Sergio, well, the rest of the field. I mean, you have, I think Alpine's fighting with Ferrari also. Um, you have uh, Austin and Martin uh, also in that battle. And, you know, I think with, with that, we have now uh, F1's, uh, overtaking award that they are going to give out, which I feel like is a little bit contrived. And apparently uh, Sebastian Bettel is leading that uh, uh, award apparently. And there's no real metric really to see like what, what they're gauging for overtaking. I mean, obviously is the most passes, but um, uh, I mean, uh, it's, it's really hard to say, you know, for overtaking because sometimes it happens due to strategy and other times it just happens uh, due to outright driving. And so I think um, maybe some passes may be inflated than others. So for uh, Vettel, I mean, obviously 
it seems like he's good at passing, but I mean, I feel like that may not actually be the case, but we'll have to see. Um, but you know, for Alpine, you know, they did win at, uh, Hungary with, uh, Esteban Ocon. Um, do I, do they have that kind of speed again? Um, maybe not, uh, Fernando Alonso, um, does he have another drive like he did at Hungary? I think that's another storyline to watch. Probably not, but does he drive like he did at Hungary to try to fight for position? Uh, certainly that would be something to uh, look out for. Um, you know, Vettel, does he own up to the award? Uh, Lance Stroll, does he at least not crash himself or does he at least look competent? That's uh, going to be something to look out for. So uh, a lot of uh, storylines uh, throughout the midfield uh, as we go to Spa and it should be an entertaining race here uh, this weekend. Yeah, it's one of the best races of the year. It's a classic. Uh, these next three races are all at relatively classic circuits. I mean, Spa and Monza, they speak for themselves. I love these two races. I mean, it's not just because you have the summer break and then they come back, but I love these two tracks. They're two of the original circuits that were on the first uh, year of the Formula One World Championship. And in a lot of ways, they haven't really changed all that much um, compared to other other tracks that they have on the calendar. Um, I mean, we always talk about Formula One qualifying, but... I mean, Lewis Hamilton didn't qualify in Poland, shit bag to start. Uh, Max Verstappen did the same thing at Hungary, uh, or not Hungary, I, forget. I think it was the British Grand Prix, uh, which in led to what has kind of turned the points battle around. So qualifying, of course, would be intriguing. It's a long racetrack, so you're really only going to get you're you're gonna get two shots, but really the moment are like one, I mean, even with track evolution. So you're gonna have to really be on it uh, to to make it work in regards to the points. I mean, eight points between Hamilton, Verstappen, um, Josh mentioned, you know, Norris, Botas, Perez, nine points separate the three of them. The Ferrari duo are in their own little battle. Ricardo is tied with Pierre Gasly. Is he going to show up at a track that he's won at before? Esteban Ocon coming off of uh, his first Grand Prix win is a point ahead of his teammate. You know, Vettel's in 12th after getting disqualified. Big loss of points there. Uh, so uh, we see what they're able to do. Russell, of course, and Latifi both scored points. Can George Russell actually score more points? here at uh at belgium at a low downforce racetrack though there are certain parts of the circuit where you need to have higher downforce we'll see what williams can do uh for all intents and purposes it seems like they've already made the decision uh that he will be lewis hamilton's teammate maybe that gives him a little bit more free reign kind of take more chances maybe make some things happen uh, we will see what happens with that at the uh, Belgian Grand Prix. Of course, the constructor standings, uh, 12 points between Mercedes and Red Bull. Ferrari and McLaren are tied. And uh, Alpine and AlphaTauri separated by nine points. Aston Martin, with the disqualification, is basically screwed. Um, Williams has a seven-point lead, which is massive, over Alfa Romeo. And, um, of course, 
Putin Haas uh, brings up the rear. Uh, we will uh, preview Daytona. Uh, I mean, in regards to I, before I go into that, I, I figure um, Max is going to be motivated to go and win this race, but I think Lewis goes and gets him. Uh, I think Max gets the pull, but Lewis gets to win. And it's kind of switching, you know, kind of convo or whatever, contrary to popular opinion, I'd figure. Yeah, I'll pick uh, Max then. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's, uh, I, I would venture to say that the likes of McLaren, some other teams might be able, if they go loud, low down force, kind of make some things happen. But, Lewis says has to, I think Lewis has to win. Um, and you know, these next two races are crucial because fine, you're going to go to the Dutch Grand Prix. I figure Max Verstappen is going to win. They're going to put everything in for him to win that race. And if he, if it isn't that he's going to wreck Lewis Hamilton. So I figure go and give yourself a points buffer before Max Verstappen runs him over. That's literally what I'm thinking when it comes to that. Uh, Daytona. I mean, it's Daytona. That's that's really all I can say about it. Uh, there's going to be a lot of uh, demolition of equipment, and uh, there's going to be people that probably wouldn't be up there generally. Up there, um. Mentioned the starting lineup earlier for the um, Xfinity series. Timmy Hill, Dylan Bassett failed to qualify, uh, but Tim Vines is driving the whatever the seventy four for uh, Mike Harmon. So I don't know. Tells you you can basically bang animals and you can drive an Xfinity car. That's basically what that says. But I mean, I think the question at the end of the day is. Do we see a new winner in the Cup Series at Daytona? If so, who? Um, to go and kind of mess things up for the RCR guys. Um, or maybe it is an RCR guy. Uh, other than that, I think the better call is how many cars are going to be wrecked at the end of the day. Uh, as much as anything, because it's the next last plate race that they're going to have, even though they're not plates anymore, it's basically the same thing. Uh, you have uh, 78 looks like an alligator. You have Kaz Grala in the 16 car for uh, Colleg. Landing Castles driving for uh, Gaunt Brothers. So Ty Dillon got sent. Uh, Dave, David Starr will be in the 66. Um, what is it? We're trying to go through here. You know, Haley, who's won this race before a couple of years ago. He starts 28th. And Bubba Wall starts 20th. He had a chance to win this race last year. Him and uh, Eric Jones are running Columbia PFG schemes. Uh, the 23 car looks better than the 43 car. In my opinion, I don't know about you, Josh, but I, I agree. Yeah, and uh, I mean McDowell, of course. I mean to be, be somehow or another one that he's on the five hundred. He starts eighteenth. Uh, Briscoe actually has a top twenty start 
uh, with the algorithm. So that's something. Kevin Harvick trying to go and win. He'll be running a Unibet car this weekend. D Burrito is top 10. So top 10 starters, Young Money, Byron, Hamlin, Kyle Busch, Elliott, Blaney, Truex, Kurt Busch, D Burrito, Keselowski, Harvick, O. Richard uh, starts 12th. Uh, Busher, Bell. Bowman, Briscoe, Reddick, McDowell, Almerola, Bubba Walls is the top 20. So I guess, um, I mean, for me, I look at this race, I mean, you basically have to hold on for dear life. Uh, I think in the end, though, uh, I have a hard time believing that it'll be uh, somebody that's outside of the current top 16 in points. I feel like Denny Hamlin goes out there and, and wins here in this spot. And if you're going to give me a wild card pick, or if I took a wild card pick, I would go and say Ross Chastain. Um, I, I mean, that's a wild card because at the end of the day, I don't believe it's going to happen, but he's the kind of guy couple of years ago in the Daytona 500 and the 77 car went for a Hail Mary move and it almost worked. So to be fair though, I think Denny Hamlin three-time Daytona 500 winner goes and gets his first win of the year, albeit it won't matter for the regular season title, but he'll get five more uh, playoff points that he will need to try to possibly go and beat Kyle Larson. How about you, Josh? Well, I mean, I, I think um, for the race this weekend, I think Denny Hamlin probably has the a really good car. Uh, it's going to be a battle between the Toyotas and the Fords, I feel like, just like it was back in February. Uh, but I think uh, this time around, you know, with Penske, all their cars are in the playoffs, you know, but their satellite team is not in the playoffs with uh, Matt Benedetto, And I think they can all team up, and it seems like the Fords, are, you know, they're really good at teaming up and staying together in the draft. So I think uh, they'll try to help Matt Benedetto get a spot into the chase or into the playoffs and uh, get a win uh, to get in the race. So I think it's definitely possible. Um, Wood Brothers wonder if win is what you're calling. Yeah. Yeah, Wood Brothers, yeah, Uh, which I forgot about is their 100th win. But the other side of that is uh, all the Gibbs cars are in the playoffs. Hamlin's does not have a win, but has secured a spot into the playoffs. Um, do they all team up and get Bubba Wallace into the playoffs? Because uh, they, they still have a, a strong car, too. I mean, they they were pretty good uh, at uh, Daytona until the very end when they all kind of uh, got behind on pit strategy and they lost the draft. Uh, Talladega, Bubba Wallace won a stage there, uh, so definitely being able to run up front uh, there. So that's uh, going to be an interesting storyline, uh, which cars uh, – or, you know, which team ends up going out on top with help from their teammates or, or their satellite teammates. Cause both cases, uh, Wallace being a satellite teammate of, uh, Joe Gibbs racing and De Benedetto being a satellite team for, uh, Penske with road brothers there. So that's going to be uh, something to watch for us. You know, you have other teams that still need to win to get in like, um, uh, Austin Dillon, Tyler Reddick. I mean, Tyler Reddick's already in, but winning would only secure his spot, but still would count as a new winner. Um, Austin Dillon's on the outside looking in. Uh, 
he's good at restricted play tracks. Does he try and make something happen uh, to win the race? Does he pull off a move like he did to win the 2018 Daytona 500 when he sent uh, Eric Amarola into the wall in turn three uh, to win that race? So uh, lots to look out for. I mean, you talk about the amount of cars that could get crashed. I mean, I wouldn't say not like crashed, but um, at least have some kind of involvement in an incident, whether, whether they take damage or not. Um, I'd put it over under at 25, um, you know, whether they get tapped and spun out, but they don't hit anything, um, or, you know, they outright get crashed in some, some way, shape or form. Um, I, I would put it at least 25 cars involved in some kind of incident there. So that's probably what it'll be looking like and typical Daytona as we come to know it, uh, especially with a lot of stakes on the line with, uh, this chase or with this playoff, uh, coming, coming up. So. Uh, definitely going to be a, a lot of uh, wild racing. I think one thing we have, didn't mention is uh, they are changing the restrictor plate uh, back to 454 horsepower. Uh, now it was uh, it was uh, 510. Now they're changing it back to 450, and they're getting rid of the wicker um, on the back. So now it's going to be a flat uh, rear spoiler, no no wicker on the back. So uh, does that change the dynamic of the racing or not? Um, do they generate as quick of runs as what they've been generating um, from before? Uh, I think that's uh, going to be something to watch out for. You know, of course, they could have gone in the other direction and just chopped off the spoiler and let them have at it with the 510 uh, and at least introduce some handling that would actually separate the cars, probably. Although, I mean, they, uh, they had shorter spoilers before and they were still close together and wrecking each other. So maybe not. I don't know. But, um, you know, maybe with a little bit more power, they'd be able to get away get away with each other with uh, the shorter spoiler, but I mean, that's, it is what it is. So we'll have to see what happens, um, but should be a wild race. I mean, I'm going to pick Matt Benedetto winning the race, but wild card is uh, Bubba Wallace. Yeah, it'll be something to see uh, one of those two guys win their first career race. It is Daytona there. It has happened before. Uh, I mean, last year, William Byron. last year with William Byron, you had, uh, Jimmy Spencer, which they're posting on the NASCAR YouTube page when he won his uh, first career race with an illegal engine over um, Ernie Irvin and uh, Texaco Havlin Ford. Um, yeah, I'm still bitter. It was 1994. I was nine years old. I'm still bitter that fucking Jimmy Spencer won with an illegal engine. And then he won Talladega a few weeks later with an illegal engine. And that was the end of Junior Johnson Racing. Uh, but they're posting that on YouTube. Uh, you know, Greg Sucks um, in 1985, which was the end of um, Bobby Allison driving for Die Guard when they ran the experimental car number 10 in the, uh, what was then the Pepsi 400, and now it's a Coke Zero 400. And Gary Nelson was the crew chief. and. Uh, Bobby Allison quit and started his own team. Uh, there's been Greg Biffle won his first race in this race, too. I mean, there's been a bunch of guys that have won their first race here in the summer event, what used to be the um, Firecracker 400 now is just Coke Zero 400, the last race of the regular season. Xfinity Series, I posted it up there. Is it going to be a uh, college racing benefit. Um, Almendinger starts on pole. Uh, you have Justin Haley in ninth and Jeb Burton in 13th. 
but you have other Chevys up there. The, you know, the junior motorsports guys, they all run well there. Gagson's won there. All guys done everything but win there. Uh, I mean, the other uh, junior motorsports, the net is one there. Tells you all you need to know. Uh, the eight car Sam Mayer struggled since he took over that car from Josh Berry. But yeah, I mean, I it is it, to me. Um, I mean, I'll let you pick Josh in regards to what you think is going to happen. I mean, there's a few races left before they get to the regular season uh, ending there. But um, is AJ Allmendinger able to go and keep his car in one piece to go and make points on? Austin Sindrick, same and same thing also. Can Austin Sindrick make it through the entire race and not lose more points as he did this past weekend uh, at Michigan uh, so that that regular season points championship stays uh, relatively close? Yeah, it's an interesting storyline for sure. I mean, I think with college racing, they're probably going to all stay together for the most part, uh, probably until the last lap, and then they'll try to sell them amongst themselves. Uh, I mean, they've been pretty strong. We've seen Justin Haley win on the restrictor plate tracks before. Uh, Jeb Burton won back at Talladega in April. So a lot of things to look at. Um, AJ Allmendinger starting on pole and should find his teammates right behind him very quickly. And they'll probably stay together after that. So I'm I'm going to pick AJ Allmendinger to win this one. Um, just continue to cut into the lead of Austin Sindrick. Uh, I, I think Austin Sindrick will be up there, but it's going to be a little bit more of a challenge because he doesn't have teammates. He's going to have to rely on uh, Riley Herbst. He's going to have to rely on his former Xfinity rival and uh, Chase Briscoe, go up there and help him uh, get up to the lead. Uh, so it's going to be a, a challenge, and I, I think uh, just the um, ability to stay together is going to help um, the uh, colleague cars and, and their team better than the, uh, the three Fords that are in this race. Um, so that's probably the storyline there. I mean, I think Cindric has been good on restrictor plate tracks, uh, in the past. It just, uh, I don't see it happening, uh, this weekend. Um, but I think for the most part should be an interesting race. I mean, you also have junior motorsports, like you said, with, uh, Justin Algar, Noah Gregson starting in second and fourth place. Uh, so they should, uh, be up there as well. Uh, and they'll probably have Michael Annette. Uh, up there uh, to help draft him uh, Sam Mayer first race uh, racing at Daytona. So a um, little bit of inexperience there um, probably will have uh, drafting help there, but um, inexperience may come into play in his ability to stay with his teammates and stay out of wrecks. Uh, that's something they don't have to watch out for, for the number eight car there. Um, it uh, should be a wild one, um, maybe a little bit more cleaner than, uh, the cup race feel like it probably will be seems like Xfinity is a little bit more uh, calm uh, than the cup race that follows uh, the next day. So um, we'll have to see what happens in, in this race, but uh, should be an interesting one uh, here on Friday night. Yeah. I'm, I mean, I, I think that that's the call. I think you picked the, I think it's going to be a call a car personally. But uh, for to be different, I'm going to pick Christopher Bell because the 54 car in February was one of the fastest cars and the driver then. Uh, the fact of the matter is that them Toyotas are fast, though, and you have Christopher Bell and he's, you know, not known as a great super speedway racer. 
he kind of needs to do that so that he can make it through a couple of rounds uh, in this playoff in cup. It would be a good thing for him or possibly Daniel Hemrick. I'm going to pick the 54 because they win virtually every other week anyway. Um, if you're not, if your name isn't Ty Dillon, you've won in the 54 car this year. Uh, so that's what I figure. I, I figure the Toyotas get together. Hamrick might be able to get through and finally back into that first win. It's, it's unbelievable that a guy of his talent and caliber has never won in a race in any of NASCAR's major three series. Um, he's staring at being demoted to trucks or going back to late models at the rate he's going, uh, which is terrible. But they'd rather go and put guys like the Grays and freaking, what's his name, Quinn Huff and other losers that can't drive a hot nail yeah. through snow um, in rides. So that's part of it. But we'll see what happens. I figure yeah. it'll be a Toyota uh, day um, on Friday in the Wawa 250. Uh, which is a great sponsor since I love Wawa. Yeah. Um, hey, real quick uh, before we get into the next segment, um, do you want to mention like there was a story um, about TV stations in uh, Florida uh, yeah. changing? So, in, and in other places, I think in Baltimore too, they NBC affiliates uh, showing other content, whether it's the NFL or whatever, uh, over the race. And I mean, it, it, it does impact me kind of in a way because um, the West 2, um, broadcast is in my area uh here in um uh space coast uh melbourne florida which that's the tv station for daytona and for orlando and then also the uh nbc affiliate uh in in tampa so big section of florida i mean they are moving it to another channel which i mean if you have over the air or cable tv um you shouldn't have any problems finding it, but of course, you know, people expect the race to be on NBC. It's going to cause a, a confusion for some of the fans as a thunder in the background uh, in my house. But um, you know, with uh, it, it shows the state of the sport. I think. I mean, it may seem meaningless, but in the bigger picture of things, you know, when you have uh, what's supposed to be a big race like this, uh, the Cup race. Um, being relegated to a secondary channel in favor of a uh, Tampa Bay Buccaneers preseason game, uh, third preseason game for uh, them versus uh, I think the Indianapolis Colts or some other team. But um, I mean, which is important preseason is important. I mean, it's meaningless, but for the players uh, got to get the reps in and everything. So get that. But um, um, if anything, you know, I do feel like, um, I mean, they are conflicting times, but I do feel like a major cup race should take place over, you know, preseason game. And I think in the bigger picture of things just does show where the state of the sport is at uh, when you get relegated uh, like that in, in the home market of the race where the um, race is going to be at in person. Um, so, um, I mean, I'll, I'll be able to find it quick, you know, relatively easy. I mean, I have YouTube TV and all that, so that's not really a problem. But I mean, for other people who don't have streaming, uh, services. Um, well, actually, I mean, I don't even know if they have CW on YouTube TV. They might, but uh, I don't know. I've never looked because I don't watch CW um, in anything. But I mean, for other people, you know, who do rely on or who don't have streaming or anything like that, or, you know, they have over the air, I mean, they might be able to find it, but um, there will be a little bit of confusion there. So, you know, NASCAR not really helping themselves with the way that this sport has been not being able to coordinate with TV stations to make sure that the race is on in important markets. So, um, 
uh, you know, sport has to evaluate itself and that's definitely a, a sign of its health. I feel like in my opinion. Yeah. And it's, it tells you where uh, NASCAR, I mean, I think NASCAR has been preempted preseason, whatever regular season, but it wasn't as big of a deal prior to the current TV deal, which basically is 2001. Uh, nobody really cared. It was just, you know, other networks you're on cable versus being on regular network TV. People didn't really notice you're either on TNN or ESPN or TBS or whatever. People didn't notice. Now that Foe and NBC took over, uh, it became a bigger thing. And then you have NASCAR who thinks that they're a big deal, which they aren't. Um, that's part of the reason why they're getting preempted for a third preseason game, which you're going to be running out third string people in a lot of cases, which tells you all you need to know about NASCAR's product. Um, but it's a shame for, for, uh, Josh and for, I mean, I, I don't even know in regards to our area in the New York metropolitan area, if the giants or the jets are playing, um, and what that means in regards to that. Um, I have to go and check in regards to that. So we'll see, but whatever. I won't, to be fair, I'll be at a Somerset Patriots game anyway, so I won't even see the uh, Coke 0400. I'll be probably following it on the phone um, and seeing what the heck happens with that. Probably seeing some Yankee prospect, seeing Yankee prospects and, uh, other guys rehabbing uh, as they're trying to possibly go in backdoor uh, World Series run with an 11 game winning streak. As of the last time I saw a score, I think they're off today, so they have, they have 11 game winning streak here on Wednesday, the 25th. So, the uh, longest winning streak they've had since I was like, what the hell was it? Seven, eight, seven months old. So that tells you how long it's been since that 11 game winning streak. Um, with that, let me go. I got multiple things going on. So I have too many stimuli going on. Uh, football recap week two. Uh, Josh, your Jacksonville Jaguars have named which, I mean, to be fucking fair, everybody and their mother knew that Trevor Lawrence was going to be the, the starter. But um, the bigger news is that Travis Etienne, his uh, running mate at Clemson, suffered a Liz Frank uh, injury. And because of that, he'll be out for the year, which in turn has made James Robinson a uh, coveted player in fantasy. So we can connect that. In multiple ways, your Jacksonville Jaguars uh, have played a role in my fantasy teams, especially in fall brawl. I, mean, I was fucking loaded during that draft, and I wasn't as happy about my draft. But as the days have gone on, my draft starts to look better, including the fact that I went back to back Jacksonville Jaguars. And as we said offline, um, you wanted James Robinson there to do the pseudo homer pick. Um, Professor Jay, uh, Jeremy Nickerson, he has the Got Your Five Stars uh, podcast, wrestling, indie wrestling. Um, we mentioned CM Punk on the show, which, you know, any any mention of Phil Brooks is fine by me because he's 
one of my favorite wrestlers of all time. The I marked out watching the highlight of him coming back, let alone if you were there in Chicago in the United Center, it would have been unbelievable. But uh, he's he drafted number one. He was debating drafting Josh Allen number one, which I kind of wanted him to. Um, then I talked him off of it. I was going to pay his buy-in, and I was drunk. I'm like, oh, yeah, I'll pay your buy-in if you draft Josh Allen number one. But he, he talked it back, and he ended up drafting Christian McCaffrey. But, um, yeah, I mean, that was uh, – your Jacksonville Jaguars are going to have something. In, it, that division isn't – I mean, the fact is Tennessee is the lead dog there. Uh, but – Jacksonville has a has a chance here uh, this year if you can put things together, um, in regards to because Houston sucks, um, and Indianapolis you you don't know where their quarterback situation is so um, they have a chance here this year if things can go the right way. Yeah, uh, the Jags uh, have a chance if they can protect Trevor Lawrence. Uh, that was I think the big topic coming out of the game there. Uh, besides Travis Etienne getting hurt, his uh, offensive line um, not being able to keep Trevor Lawrence clean. Uh, he got sacked twice, and there are multiple times where he was under pressure and had to throw uh, away the ball or running away, uh, missed a few throws because of the pressure. Uh, you know, got tackled on the ground a few times by you know, the Saints defensive lineman. So that's an issue. Uh, of course, they did have. Uh, three of their starting offensive linemen out of the game for for that, so that might be a factor. Um, there is talk of uh, Walker Little, the fourth round uh, left tackle who hasn't played football in two years, uh, who's supposed to be really good. Uh, in fact, people have been playing with his name, calling him Runner Big, um, and everything. But his um, uh, they thought maybe he would be able to supersede uh, Cam Robinson there and take over. But uh, it looks like this that game shows that he still has a little bit of ways to go uh, in his uh, development as a offensive lineman. They're protecting Trevor Lawrence because a couple of times where he got walked back into Trevor, um, which isn't really good. I mean, there was uh, just a lot of uh, pocket uh, collapsing there and just not what you want to see for your offensive line. And they're struggling against, um, you know, the Browns uh, uh, backups there in the first game. And this one, they did face the uh, Saints uh starters there but they're still struggling so uh, that's going to be something to watch out for and you know that's going to be a point of criticism uh, should the uh, Jags have invested more into their offensive line uh, this past offseason having the most cap space in the National Football League so that's going to be uh, something to watch out for throughout the year has the offensive line uh, perform and uh, protect Trevor Lawrence because that's going to be the key to success, I think. Um, and of course, they did name Trevor the starter, which is good because him and Minchie had been uh, splitting reps, but now they can uh, prepare and have uh, uh, more focus on uh, the first game of the season at Houston and get reps in, get a little bit more chemistry than Trevor playing with the backups and Minchie playing with the starters there. So they finally righted that ship when probably should have named it the starter a long time ago. But of course, the other big news being Travis Etienne suffering a Liz Frank injury um, in the preseason game. Didn't really have a lot of action. Only had like two touches, one one carry for two yards, and then uh, one catch for three yards. Um, and then uh, the first preseason game, preseason game did not have a, a whole lot of action there either. So basically going to be put on the shelf for an entire year um, with this injury. Of course, um, 
the joint in the midfoot broken and looks like uh, he's going to have to have surgery. And this is a touching injury for running backs because um, having a stable foot uh, allows for them to have good speed and good cutting ability. And once that gets taken away, if it breaks, uh, you will have a muscular atrophy, probably trying to rehab the injury in your calf. And a lot of people have said that they weren't able to get their uh themselves back to 100% from what they were before the injury uh, because they lose a little bit of that speed and ability to make cuts uh, in the open field. So that's going to be a storyline to watch out for, for his career. Um, if uh, he loses some of the ability that made him the 25th pick in the uh, draft this year. So uh, hopefully, hopefully he can get back to speed because the last time a Jaguars player had a Liz Frank injury, it was uh, Maurice Jones drew and granted he didn't get surgery on it uh, for several months after it was broken. But um, that was basically the end of Maurice Jones-Drew uh, in Jacksonville once he got that injury. It just never was the same and then ended up laying a walk because uh, he wasn't that good anymore. So that's going to be something to look out for here in the future for Travis Etienne. Uh, defensively, uh, I think they're going to be really good uh, stopping the run. I think if they can get pressure stopping the – or pressure up front on passing downs, it should be good. I think coverage is okay. Uh, could be better. They just need to be a little bit more coordinated and be able to spot the ball because there are some plays where uh, Jameis Winston threw some home run balls and uh, the first play or first touchdown he threw uh, should have been intercepted probably, but uh, the nickel cornerback uh, lost track of the ball in the air and caused a defensive pass interference and uh, blew the coverage there. So they just you know get a little bit more chemistry together. Uh, hopefully they'll be fine. So in uh, special teams, uh, Josh Lambeau missed field goal again. So uh, needs to have a little bit more improvement there and, uh, you know, punting, uh, Logan cook needs to be a little bit better punting because there were some, uh, punts where it wasn't getting enough air or distance on the ball. So, um, hopefully it's a little bit better than what we saw on Monday night, but I'm, I'm putting the Jags at six to seven wins. Anything more than that is a bonus, but that's a modest amount for first year for, uh, Trevor Lawrence. So, I mean, probably something similar to Justin Herbert's performance and record last year on the Los Angeles Chargers. Which is fair, and considering where Jacksonville has been the last few years after the run you guys made a few years ago to get to the AFC Championship game, I think that's fair with uh, Urban Meyer before he starts having heart problems again. Um, Niners side, uh, Jimmy G., uh, had a couple series there. One, I mean, he played all right. Uh, Trey Lance had the offense for a long time against the Chargers. Uh, went to his safety blanket in Trent Sherfield, who has basically now become the number three wide receiver uh, because of the connection he has with Trey Lance. Um, Trey had his moments of good, moments of bad, and that's fine. He's the number three overall pick. And unlike uh, Trevor Lawrence, who is supposed to be the theoretical savior, um, I think a lot of people, including me being a Trey Lance Mark, uh, want him to be the savior, but the fact is we need to take time. Uh, we need to keep people healthy. Um, Jimmy G., to be fair, isn't a bad quarterback. He's not amazing, but he's not bad. He was 
one or two throws away from being a Super Bowl MVP. So if they can keep this team together, which they've never really been able to keep under the whole Shanahan Lynch regime, keep most of this team upright. If you can keep most of this team upright, they're a Super Bowl contender. Their defensive line is ridiculous. You know, they were giving Justin Herbert fits the whole time. They have like two, three, basically you're, you're, you're talking, they're like two deep, three deep. It sounds like a college football team the way they are. Um, Fred Warner's the 20 based on the top 121st best player in the NFL. Um, he's better than that. Honestly, I think he's the best middle linebacker in the game. Um, he reminds me of uh, Patrick Willis and they paid him like he's basically like Patrick Willis. Um, he's going to be, he's, he's the, the guy that runs that defense Defensive line, of course. I mean, if they hadn't gotten rid of DeForest Buckner, uh, that defensive line would be 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 a joke. Uh, like, how are you going to defend it? Um, but Kinlaw's making plays. He's getting better. Bosa and D Ford's alive, which is a bonus. Uh, so you have those two together with Kinlaw. I mean, that's you're talking about three number ones there, really. And the linebacker core is getting better. Secondary is getting better. Some of the guys they've drafted have um, made a play. Lemonier, there's a couple of corners. The running back situation, four deep. Uh, Trey Sermon's in there, but really Raheem Ostert, your lead dog. But Trey Sermon, you got four deep there. A wide receivers, Ayuk and Debo. Uh, but then they have Sherfield. GK has been quiet, but it's GK. He's the best actual full-on tight end in the league. Um, people want to say that Travis Kelsey, but Travis Kelsey is the best pass-catching tight end in the league. Um, best actual tight end is George Kittle. And I'll fight you on it. It's fine. I don't really care. He's my dude. Um, he could probably be in AEW right now working with CM Punk if he really wanted to. Um, so we'll see what happens, get through this preseason game, no major injuries, and then they'll be going to Detroit to play uh, Dan Campbell and his knee-eating um, crap, and they'll probably blow him out by like 40 points. Uh, but we'll get into that as um, the weeks go by. I mean, the fantasy draft was interesting we had a good live uh draft and people demetrius was muted because he had so much background noise but he was talking the whole time and then i made a comment i'm like oh yeah he's been talking but he's on mute and he's like motherfucker i thought you were, we were on the whole time but we had yeah, a lot pretty of entertaining fun. yeah yeah I it mean... was something to i i because we can't do a live draft because we're all in different places yeah. but the fact is i'm like you know what so one of the only things that came from pandemics, the fact we're able to do these things on Zoom or on video calls. And the fact is most of us were here. Uh, Luke was the only one that couldn't make it because he had to coach his kids flag football team. And he was pissed. He was texting me today about how he had to auto draft. But other than that, Vic bitched out. With, and then, of course, he got an A-plus draft rating, which pissed me off even more. Um 
but then he came on afterwards and then we were on the phone. Uh, Wilson did good. Joe did good. You did good. Um, I sucked. Uh, but to be fair, we're a few weeks away from the season starting. We got a lot to go through. We have a whole entire preseason week and then other practices. So who knows what could happen? A lot of things could change. So, um, you know, positive vibes, hoping for the best. Uh, A.A. Ron on my end and uh, Derrick Henry uh, as uh, basically pillars of my K. Adams Froyo uh, team. So hoping for the best in that sense. Um, and we'll see if I can finally win my league again for the first time in many years. Uh, but Josh, how about your team uh, coming back, trying to go and move up one spot this year? Uh, there's changes in regards to the details. I'll probably post them on the league page and we'll talk more about them next week. But you have a good chance to go and possibly go and win this one for sure. Yeah, I mean, for this, uh, the it was good to see everybody and at least you know put a face to the name to the people we you know, we've been playing the past year. Um, so that I was glad to meet everyone. And then you know, of course for my team, um, I managed to pick up Lamar Jackson. He should be a good quarterback. I mean, I, I can't believe no one picked him up before I did because I felt like I picked him up kind of late. Um, and, it's, and it seemed like people were starting to go on a bit of a quarterback run uh, in the middle of the first couple of rounds there. Um, picked up uh, David Montgomery as well, who um, uh, Vic wanted to trade with me for Carson Wentz, and I declined that because uh, Carson Wentz sucks and he's always hurt uh, and don't like – I'm not really the big of a fan of him. So uh, he should uh, probably come up with something else, and then we'll talk again. Um, uh, other guys, I mean, I picked up Marvin Jones, uh, for the bench should be good, uh, as the, uh, blanket for Trevor Lawrence seems like he's going to be the security blanket. They got a good chemistry. So that's, uh, um, something I was looking out for there. So he's got one Jacksonville player and, you know, of course he took James Robinson, who, uh, I was looking to try and, uh, maybe pick up, um, didn't end up picking up and uh because I guess I thought he was gonna be there, but then you wouldn't pick him up because it was snake draft, but you know, that's fine. Um I wanted to get Allen Robinson. I was thinking about it because I've had him in every fantasy league uh since uh I started doing fantasy again back in 2018, picking him up, had him there, 2019 had him there again. Uh 2020 had had him uh in our league last year and decided not to go through it because um maybe there's going to be some quarterback change, you know, with Andy Dalton being the quarterback for uh, Allen Robinson to start the season. And then they may change to Justin Fields, but there's a little bit of instability there, but I do feel like, I felt like maybe I could get a little bit more production from other players there. Um, you know, uh, picked up Kirk cousins, you know, AKA anti-vaxxer Kirk cousins, but you know, every, every kind of person is welcome to my team. So it's fine. Um, picked him up as the QB two um, picked up Adam Thielen as well. Uh, on there actually picked up three Vikings players on there. Uh, so uh, most Vikings players on any of the teams in our league right now. So we'll see how that goes. Um, picked up uh, who else? I mean, I have, I have to look at my roster, but um, I, I, I picked up Saquon Barkley as my first pick, which uh, yeah. I was a little bit disappointed because um, I, I feel like he's not as good as what he was in the past, but I mean, yeah, uh, it's more dependent on the giants though. So the, 
should should be interesting though. And uh, I mean, I, I had a rating of like a B plus, which I guess is solid. Um, so should be interesting. Oh yeah, and I picked up uh, Devonte Adams, who was a monster last year. I was one of the players. Devontae Adams, Joe Mike had. Evans, yeah. yeah. As one of the players Joe had, and I think that was what killed me last year is not having the Devo- uh, Devonte Adams there, and he had Lamar. He had Kyler and Lamar last year, so I got two of his players they had a year ago. Uh, so it should be interesting. Um, yeah, Mike Evans, another monster. Uh, David Montgomery, uh, Josh Jacobs, Adam Thielen, uh, Miles Gaskin, uh, uh, Davian Harris, Mike Williams, always good, solid pick on the Chargers. Kirk Cousins, um, uh, Debo Samuel. Debo. Yep. Marvin Jones Jr. Then back in uh, Derwin James coming back from ACL injury last year. Uh, always a good corner or safety. Uh, Daniel Hunter, good uh, defensive end. He has another Minnesota player there. Isaiah Simmons, solid linebacker. So should be good, solid team. I mean, at first I was a little uh, not as excited for it. I felt like could have had a little bit more uh, stability uh, with some of the running backs, but uh, it should be solid overall. Yeah, your team has a lot of potential for sure, just looking back on it. Uh, I mean, Devontae Adams is a freak. Mike Evans with Tom Brady. Uh, Chicago is going to be a run-first team. Giants are a run-first team. Lamar Jackson's a run-first quarterback, but he's a two-way player, so he's going to make a ton of yards. Josh Jacobs in the flex. You have Thielen in a flex as of now. I mean, there's, there's, you have, I mean, Cousins, minus the fact he's an imbecile, um, is not a terrible player. So, I mean, the fact is there's a lot of uh, potential there, good depth, especially at the wide receiver position. Your IDPs are really, really good. Yep. On my side, uh, as I mentioned, Aaron, Derrick Henry are pillars for me. Uh, I drafted Henry number three uh, overall. You know, it's more old school. I probably could have went Alvin Kamara. Uh, I, was, I was so drunk, I don't even remember. I don't think Alvin Kamara was picked two overall, but whatever. Um, you have Justin Jefferson, Keenan Allen. My number one and two wide receivers. Eckler is my other running back, main running back, Brandon Ayuk. So I did pick a San Francisco 49er. Um, Jalen Hurts is my number two QB. Trevor Lawrence, number three QB. And I picked Kareem Hunt, T. Higgins, uh, James Robinson. I picked the Jacksonville guys back to back. The Robinson pick did not look great when I made that pick. Uh, the ETN injury made it look a lot better, and I started feeling better about my team. Uh, Robbie Anderson, of course, is uh, the number one target of Sam Darnold. So that's kind of why I went there. Uh, you know, so I think that could be a really good, beneficial look. And James Connor was kind of a flyer. Arizona's not going to run the ball a lot, but he is a good running back. They need to have him to make Kyler Maria and some of the, the passing game look a little better. Jesse Bates or Cincy Defoe, um, who's one of my favorite defensive players should have never been traded. And then of course, Warner, um, as I said earlier, best middle linebacker in the game. So I, my team, it's not perfect, 
but it's usable. Um, Jalen Hurts could make it look a lot better. Eckler, if he stays upright, make it look a lot better. I have a couple chargers, so that's kind of uh, flame. You know, that could be a boom or bust kind of thing, but we will see. Going to try to make some moves here in the upcoming weeks prior to the regular season, see if some people are willing to trade. And we will see what happens with that. Uh, Josh, uh, let's um, talk about your uh, sim racing and what you did uh, this past week and what you plan to do this coming week. Yeah, well, I'll start off first by um, talking about the Open Wheels 500. Um, it's been announced by Tanner and the Open Wheels 500 uh, Discord community that uh, he's decided to um, cancel the 2021 Open Wheels 500 race. Uh, seems like for him uh, this year, uh, some real life stuff getting in the way of uh, iRacing or and all that stuff and his ability to um, commit himself uh, fully to putting on the event. I mean, I know he did a, a lot of work last year trying to put it on um, and definitely uh, saw some of the stuff behind the scenes, uh, some pictures he posted of his setup and it's definitely a lot of involvement in that. So unfortunately for everybody trying to make it into the race uh, and, you know, get in, it's unfortunate, but um, at least, uh, you know, another year of practice uh, learning the Indy car on the setup side and being more experienced uh, on the Indy oval uh, with the Indy car should be, uh, you know, an opportunity to just continue to get better, try to try to at least, you know, show up and, uh, you know, look good against, uh, you know, the best, uh, I racing sim racers on the IndyCar side. So, uh, should be, um, hopefully, you know, hopefully we'll be able to race next year or maybe he'll find the time to put it back on. So, you know, regardless, um, uh, disappointing, but you know, there's opportunities, uh, even in that, but as far as for myself, um, did IndyCar racing at gateway, uh, this past weekend, um, mostly did solid, uh, although a couple of times, got into the wall coming off of turn two and basically kills your car. Um, regardless, I mean, I had one race where I started, uh, I didn't qualify. I ba barely made it into the race, um, missed the start, started off of pit road when everybody else is starting on the track. Um, and so I was behind caution comes out and everything. And I was able to, um, pick my way through the field and got up to third place, you know, basically using the high line, but, uh, got into the wall off of two and then still had speed, but then their I racing is like, you have damage, black flag, uh, come into the pits and get it repaired. And so I had to go get that repaired, uh, took me out of the running, uh, and probably could have finished second there or third in, in that one, but just, uh, got, got a little high off of two, uh, and well, really it was going into one, got a little high and then just drifted barely into wall. And, you know, just how fragile these cars are. If you just barely even touch the wall sometimes uh it'll damage the wheel and get you get you there and you have to go into the pits and get it repaired so uh definitely a learning experience and then there was one time where i was solidly in the the top 10 and then coming off of turn two onto the back stretch i was uh beside i was on the outside and someone was on the inside and we're both racing for like sixth or seventh and i guess net code happened because i kind of turned my wheel to the left uh, very slightly and maybe on his end, uh, he got touched or he, or, or the game thought my car touched him. And then he got back and turned right back into me and got me into the wall. And then, you know, on gateway where that 
um, transition is in, in the wall on the back stretch, uh, ended up hitting that part of the wall and then had to pull over and then race ended under caution. And initially was a little, little upset about that. Cause that's like, why'd you just like turn to the right all of a sudden and just, you know, get me into the wall. And then, well, we talked about it afterwards. It was just probably net code. So, uh, you know, it happens, so it's fine. Uh, just have to, uh, try to pick your battles and, you know, try to survive and, you know, um, if you're getting past, maybe, you know, give the guy the position, but, you know, I, I found that staying on the outside, um, of a guy trying to pass you and turn one of gateway and then in turn three, uh, usually good works out for defending the position there. So, um, that's, you know, that was my strategy there to try to keep the position, but, uh, didn't work out in that case. And then this week, uh, probably do Daytona with, uh, the cup car and Xfinity car probably. Um, and then also the 87 car is at, uh, California and the, uh, auto club speedway. So, um, you know, wide, fast track, uh, with a lot of, uh, uh, banking, um, and a lot of lanes to pick from and it's worn out. So got to watch out for uh, tire wear. So that's going to be something to look out for. Um, I, I did run one last night. It's kind of a practice and definitely have a little bit to gain, uh, relative to the rest of the field, uh, got to manage the tires better. Um, and have a little, little bit and, you know, save a little bit. And then of course there's the tire strategy where, you know, you have to figure out when you're going to pit, uh, to give yourself the best chance to, uh, have a good run at the end on, on uh, good tires. So that's, uh, something I gotta be able to plan out as well. Uh, so try to let you know when, well, when I'm on and, uh, when I stream, so you can go and watch that. And, you know, as always, you know, you can watch that, on uh, twitch.tv, uh, slash you say too. So we're, We'll have it out, try to tweet it out, message you, Phil, on where to watch that. So, um, you know, definitely a lot of opportunity for that uh, this weekend. Yeah, and let's uh, know where else we can go and follow you um, on the socials along with your, I mean, as you mentioned, your uh, Twitch stream, but also where we can follow you on Twitter and uh, other socials. Yeah, of course, as always, you know, um, you know, in addition to the Twitch stream, you said, too, got the... Um, uh, Twitter handle at JP Huffline. And that's, you know, we're, we'll talk about things on uh, NASCAR stuff and, you know, NFL stuff. Um, you know, it was definitely something where I saw the, you know, the news about the Daytona TV station um, in the cup race and, and found another person who's also in my area um, and had a follow back there. So that was good. Uh, at least uh, have, uh, you know, networking i guess and interaction so we're you know able to talk amongst with the fans uh and talking about the racing and all that all that stuff so um it's uh where you can follow me and um you know it's always the twitch stream uh twitch.tv slash or too and you can follow me at philip g matthew on twitter you can follow the show at grip strip pod on twitter uh, you can, if you're listening to this, well, thank you, of course. But even if you want to let your friends know or whoever it matters to you that loves racing or football or whatever, anything that we talk about here on the GSP, you can find the Gripster Podcasts on Apple Podcasts, Amazon Music, Spotify, iHeartRadio, Stitcher. Tune in and uh, Pandora. Yeah, you said Pandora, no, Podbean isn't on there. Your pod, yeah, so Podbean, Pandora, 
uh, as well. Podbean's our host. And, uh, yeah, I mean, we're 75 episodes in. This is our episode 75 this time. So, I mean, we've been doing this. Uh, it's a passion project. Uh, definitely for me. I'm glad Josh has uh, backed me up as right-hand man and good friend, my bro. And uh, we have great content. We've had interviews with uh, racers. We've had interviews with other podcasters. Um, We're growing. We're doing this thing. We're uh, trying to do it right. Um, Still, you know, work in progress in certain ways, but we're getting there. Um, We thank you all for listening uh, to the GSP. We'll be back next week to talk about Daytona. We'll talk about the Belgian Grand Prix, preview Italian Grand Prix, preview Darlington, uh, the Southern 500 opening race of the uh, Cup playoffs. We'll talk about it'll be a NASCAR triple header weekend and uh, anything else that's going on in the world of motorsports and sports. And be some other stuff probably to talk about too. Um, care of one another, take care of those who matter most to you, and to be fair, get a vaccine um, and uh, go and take care of the people that matter to you most. And um, yeah, be smart and be cool and uh, be nice to one another. Uh, there's been stuff that's been out there that is disturbing, but when you consider the way the world is, it's not that shocking, uh, but it's sad. So be nice, be uh, be cool, be nice, be uh, take care of one another, and we'll see you next week. Thank you so much for listening to Grip Podcast, and good night. <laughs>